This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we do what we do best, and that's murdering women that give us the ache between the legs while watching spine number 58 in the Criterion Collection. Michael Powell's Peeping Tom from 1960. But first, RJ, happy 50th episode, brah. Looks like we made it. Uh. Sexy music for a sexy episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, we, we're doing pretty good. Although technically, it's like 56 or 57. Can you count those school schools? And the uh, the Laserdisc series. Which may, maybe we'll get back to that one day. Wow. Or is that included? I think they're included. Well, fuck, then I don't know what what's up and what's down. But I guess it's number 50 in the creep proper. Yeah. Discluding all the ghoul schools. So, mm-hmm. hey, we're doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty swell. Like I said, uh, a lot of people didn't think we'd hit five. So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. It's not too bad. I don't know why people wouldn't have thought we would have got to episode five. Because I think we recorded the first five episodes like in a month. Um, or like yeah, but or people don't know that. People don't know how the sausage is made. Shh. Oh, God. You just blew out like four speakers, I think. Uh, now you're the loud one. Hey, so what's going on, RJ? How are you celebrating our 50th episode today? How am I celebrating? Yeah. Um, I think I might go to Arby's later and, uh, you know, get some matzo sticks. No, I'm celebrating. I, uh, I went to Montana for the weekend. Loaded up on some essentials, some uh, some beer, uh, some Crunch Berries, Captain Crunch Berries cereal, which you cannot buy in Canada, which is a hate crime and an atrocity. But uh, so I loaded up on some things, some of the finer things in life. Had myself a weekend away, and uh, you were kind enough to come look after the kitties. Yes, which I appreciate very much because my whole family, which who usually looks after it, we were all down in uh, Big Fork County. Near Cowspell, Montana, for a wedding. Why did you uh, shift into that particular voice when you when saying those words? I don't know. Isn't that how cowboys talk? Is Mon- that how cowboys talk? Uh, Montanaans. Montana. <laughs> no, we met some nice Montana people. Mm-hmm. The bartender had braces. I thought that was pretty funny. Hmm. Like Brad Adult in Magnolia. Races. Like Brad, Magnolia, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we went down. It was hotter than hell. We all got. It was a day wedding, so everyone got pissed up real early, and then everyone got real tired and was in bed by like nine or ten o'clock. <laughs> and it was great. It's the first time I've ever come home where I wasn't like super hungover because I was actually in bed at like eleven almost. Wow. I had a whole night's rest. Wow. Yeah. So that was pretty good. And then, uh, you know, trying to live life, man. Me and Andrew went to the water park in town. I went down some water slides like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. People can't tell, but I stiffened up my body like a hot dog, Robin Williams style. So that was pretty cool. But uh, that's all that's going on with me. So not not the most exciting news for the Big Fifty, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. What What about you, man? What have you been doing? Mm, uh, the knob on my. Uh dryer broke so i had to go and uh order a new one what kind of knob uh the timer 
the, the not it, it cracked right off piece of shit plastic and uh you, you can't you can't go without that unless you have a pair of pliers to do it manually um just just hang dry your stuff it's hot enough out yeah but i don't trust other people you're right. If I saw your underwear on clothesline, I would definitely do stuff to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you let me into your house this weekend, so. Uh, Who yeah. knows? A- yeah. Anyway. Who knows what drawers you were into? Mm-hmm. Hopefully not the one drawer. <laughs> the one. Yeah. Well, hey, don't you rent? Shouldn't your landlord take care of that? Oh fuck no. What? He doesn't. They don't care. But what? My dryer? It's, no, it's our yeah. dryer. We own those dry. We own that dryer. So wait, you rent, but you own your appliances. Uh, well, we own our uh, washer and dryer. How does that work? Uh, well, RJ, one uh, accumulates wealth, uh, which oh, then they can up. turn around <laughs> to purchase things. Okay. Well, I'm. You know what? I'm sorry I even asked. I don't care what you're doing or how you are. Okay. And I don't think any of the rest of the world does either. Okay. So take that. Duncan. Well, need, what I was going to get it to is capitalism's great, and uh, uh, is and it is without fault. Maybe you should go down to Montana. <laughs> Rope me up some cow cows and some, some cow doll horses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's gross, and okay. you're gross. Yep, the world's not a nice place. Hey, RJ, no. uh, so between getting drunk uh, in oh. foreign countries, uh, what else did you manage to creep this week, this year? I wrote this year for some reason. Jeez, you are you are real sloppy today. <sighs> Anyone coming into this is just going to be so disappointed. Yeah, they're going to jump in on that always. 50th episode and say, hey, what's this show all about? And yeah. say, what a bunch of dicks. What a bunch of mindless jabber. Yeah. Uh, well, so I knew it was the 50 episode. Yeah. So I tried to do something special for us. I wanted to pick nothing but A-list creeps <gasps> for this very special episode. How'd that work out? Well, I watched something very special today. Ooh. And it was a documentary called Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you might be thinking. Yeah. Isn't... Doesn't everyone know that movie? Isn't that Criterion <laughs> number one? Well, it should be. I thought we talked about it already in the first episode, yeah, RJ. We already talked about it. So everyone go back and listen to all the episodes again. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I watched this fucking stupid documentary with Dan Aykroyd. Was this on YouTube at least? <laughs> Just uh... No. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I uh, I went out of my way to find this thing. You procured a copy. Yeah, well, I saw the poster one day, and it's just Dan Aykroyd's face. Yeah. And then there's, like, a flying saucer and, like, alien eyes over it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch that fucking thing. So this is a $10 movie. It was made with literally $10. And I think that was just to buy cigarettes for Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Half of it is just him in a dark room smoking. And then, like, they try to do camera stuff where it like zooms in on him in weird angles. Mm-hmm. So that's half of the movie. And he's talking about like why aliens, aliens exist and like why people need to believe it. And then he's kind of, he's asked questions like if, if you could, if you could get picked up by aliens tomorrow and you could go anywhere, would you do it? And he's just like, well, you know, it's an interesting question. And he, he like really gets into it. Um, so that's half of it. And then the other half is just like uh, UFO footage that people filmed on like cassette or like VHS and st- shot on video. On camcorders, like yeah. Yeah, and it's really bad. 
it's really bad man like half of those videos too like you can see in the video it's pretty clear it's like a balloon or something like it's not even it's not even ambiguous at all it's like no that's definitely a balloon i don't know why <laughs> why we're talking about it yeah uh so that was a uh, an a plus way to start the day mm-hmm. and uh, a, a plus way to start our 50th episode Woo! so and now it's going to be tagged on your your master list of all the movies we talk about which awesome. gives gives me great joy. So Dan Aykroyd, weird dude. But uh, remember him in Evolution? That uh, was a fun movie. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that one day on the show. I've, whenever I've, it gets added. I saw that Bad Boy in theater. Nice, nice. So yeah, that's uh that was one way I spent the day. But no, it's not good. <laughs> As I've said many times, I, I'm the market for that. And uh, nope. <laughs> All right, it's then. It's pretty bad. So then I followed with up with two shorts. Mm. Well, one you could call a short, one you could call a long. And they were both JFD picks. Oh. Oh, you were thinking of that long cock joke, weren't you? When I said short and long. No, I just like love the absurdity of calling something. There's a short film and then there's long films. Then there's a long film. Yeah, where's the well, long film genre? <laughs> well, this one fits in there. I watched uh, that lasagna cat telephone sex Oh, series. yeah, you did. So that that's what would you classify that as a long film? Uh, I'd classify it as art. Art. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, so these two are both JFD picks. Like I said, people might remember them from past episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lasagna Cat is uh, it's those Fatal Frame guys, right? Fatal Farm. Fatal Farm. Gotcha. Not, not to be confused with Fatal Frame, which I think is like a video game. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. Doesn't matter. Why do I know about video games? <laughs> yeah. Why do you? Why are you the one saying what that? What the fuck? Anyway, so you watched Lasagna Cat. Did Lasagna you watch Cat. all four and a half hours? Goddamn right I did. No, you. I don't half-ass anything. No, I watched like two minutes at the start. Yep. And then I went halfway through, and I watched about a minute, and then I went to the last ten minutes. Yep. And then watched from there. And it like the thing that you talk about, like the actual kind of like short film, yeah. starts at about uh, I think when there's eight minutes left. Yep. But it, it's good uh, if you go right to like where there's ten minutes left, you can get a good little bit of uh, what the video is about, and then go right into the so-called art <laughs> that Jared describes. Uh, it's, I thought it was very Lynchian. It reminded me of some uh, some Twin Peaks esque stuff. Mm. Um, I don't. You well, didn't really, especially after watching it, like in a yeah. in a post Twin Peaks: The Return Part Eight. Uh, I think I think it's like yeah. When this when I watched this, this like came out of nowhere. I hadn't watched any Lynch stuff in a long time, but uh, yeah, it it definitely is, as you say. Uh, oh yeah, Lynchian. Strong Lynch vibes, baby. Yeah. Strong Lynch vibes. So I don't think you explained it on the show, so I'm not really going to either. Uh, <laughs> suffice, to, suffice to say, uh, it is art. It is wild. <laughs> and uh, it's nice. Everyone should watch it. How how hard did you laugh? I <laughs> there, were, there were a few moments that uh, that potato salad fell right out of my mouth. I yeah. was eating while I was watching this. Yeah. And it was just like, ugh. <laughs> 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 So, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I'm glad you <laughs> made me watch it. Yeah. So, Lasagna Cat. Uh, and that followed up with another JFD pick. I just watched The Tunnel from Troll Hunter ah, director. That other oh. short film that you had mentioned. Yeah. And I uh, I thought that was really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, again, I, I won't. We don't really need to talk about him. 
because they're well, short films and we, people can just go watch them. Well, the, we could talk about the tunnel a little bit. Uh, okay. What did you? So I can't. I don't know if I went into too much detail. I think I just said you should you watch did. this because you were hitting on that autopsy of Jane Doe. This is true, but I love Troll Hunter. Yeah. So uh, no, yeah. So this was the guy's short film based on a short story, and uh, it's a family in a future world and kind of like a self-controlled car, and uh, they're in this gridlock traffic. And uh, you see them stop before a tunnel and the tunnel closes and there's kind of a sigh of relief and you're kind of learning about what's happening that you don't want to be in the tunnel for some reason. And then uh, tunnel opens and they start driving through and then there's some high tension areas. Are they going to make it through? Are they not? And that that's how it plays out until you kind of discover what the tunnel's about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought... I thought it was good, man. I, I liked it. Yep. It's kind of what you said. You're like, I'm surprised no one's kind of played around with that idea before. Yeah, because the, the short story is like decades old. And it's just like, yep. oh, this is the first time I'd ever even heard of it. And it seems like it's like primo uh, kind of high concept, Black Mirror, Twilight Zone sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. funny that it's never been like touched upon like an 80s Outer Limits episode or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's not like a big, like, I don't think it's a secret or a big surprise, like what you find out, Yeah. like what the, what the twist is. But I thought the, as a whole, it's like 12 minutes, it's entertaining Mm -hmm. and, uh, you get, it hooks you in. So I thought it was a good short. Yeah. Very successful. So those were my quick little bumps for you. Mm -hmm. And then I, I actually did one creep for you. A real creep. A real creep. And this was also a JFD pick. I asked you about a week ago what I should watch for the show, and you mm. told me to watch this one. So I watched uh, Mr. Oz Perkins' uh, newest or er, first movie, I believe, called The Black Coat. Yeah. It, it, it was made two years ago, but it didn't really get released, and then he had a Netflix movie come out last year. Yeah. So I think it would probably be a little sticky on – this one was made before. Right. So, uh, so I watched The Black Coat's Daughter. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Oz Perkins is the son of Anthony Perkins, son of Psycho. Oh, wow. Secret connection to tonight's episode. Oh. Oh. I read Wikipedia this week. <laughs> uh, so you had mentioned this to me, and I had heard of his other movie, uh, the one on Netflix. I think it's called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House or something All like that. All the Pretty Things, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So uh, I remember because uh, roommate Scott watched that during Halloween, and he really liked it. He he described it as a slow burn, Ooh. and uh, that is exactly what I would describe this one as, the slow yeah. burn. Yeah. Or uh, like in Dark Knight Rises, they say that it's the slow knife that cuts the deepest, <laughs> whatever that, was, that line is. <laughs> whatever that bullshit um, is. So I watched this movie today, Yeah. and I was totally fucking surprised by it. Hmm. I I loved it. I thought it was fucking great. This is one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Whoa! And, and I re- I really think that. Huh? Uh, it had it hit every note that I like about horror stuff. Um, and I I looked it up. It doesn't really have like super good. It has like a decent rating. It's kind of in the middle. Hmm. Um, but there's not a lot, not too many people that are super hot on it, except for me and uh, some le- uh, letterbox creeps. That uh, we both know, guys who usually rate things pretty high. So they like everything. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to be vague, but because even though it was my pick, I haven't actually seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try to. Well, I'll, I'll be vague on the description because 
even if you go to like the movie's page, the top banner, the picture, I think is kind of like not super spoilery, but it's like they shouldn't show that. So the movie has two stories. There are two. It's um the main setting is a girls boarding school okay. in the winter. And uh, there's two young ladies. I think they're like 14, 15. Uh, and they they're supposed to get picked up to go home for winter. Uh, but their parents don't arrive on time, so they have to stay there, like um, for a couple nights until their parents come. Okay. And then the other story is a girl who's hitchhiking, and she's kind of making her way to the same school that the girls are staying at. So that those are the two stories. That's all you really need to know, I think. Okay. Um, I thought this movie. Do you remember when we were talking about The Void a couple episodes yep. ago, and how it's it was very like try hard on how it was trying to present stuff. Sure. Like copying other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've pretty like almost like weighed down by all of its references that like, if you know what those references are, they're kind of hard to get past. At mm -hmm. least they were for me. Yeah, exactly. So references like that. And then if people did listen to the ghoul school episodes, I talked about Ty West for a while on there. Yep. This is the movie that Ty West, uh, Ty West tries to rip off. I think. Like this kind of movie, hmm. like uh, because it's very like atmospheric and it's kind of like set in a certain era and he does a lot of shots that are kind of like, I don't want to say like obscured, but like not traditional shots where the actual what you're actually looking at is in like the bottom quarter of the frame or something and there's stuff kind of going on elsewhere. Uh, it's very, it's very slow. Uh, it's got great like sound, um, like a soundtrack. Like it's kind of just there's no like music or anything like that. It's got a score, and it kind of just works with the movie, kind of building up certain things, certain areas. You uh, he shows you something, and then he kind of dials it back a little bit, and then you kind of progress a little bit more, and then he shows you something new, and then he dials it back a little bit. Hmm. So I was actually like. Fucking, I was really surprised by this. I fucking loved it. Um, hmm, that's, that's I, um, good. Yeah, I thought it was great, man. Um, I don't know what else to say about it without getting too much into it, but I think like it had it had everything I like in horror, where it was uh, a slow, deliberate story. Nothing really felt too out of place. Um, where like that other stuff I was saying that's like kind of try-hardy, where like what we're saying like when people try to copy david lynch say and it seems like they're trying to do like make something spooky because it's spooky right or like, like you know what i mean it's it felt this one felt natural like what what he wanted to show was like he he's telling a story and it just happens to be a horror movie at the same time right so yeah i, I thought this movie was really fucking good well, i think you should watch it as soon as you can well i will put it on the to-do list i don't know when i'll watch it but uh you know i'll uh i i think it was on the shockwaves uh podcast i think i remember this first being brought up because it had a different title at one point and i think okay. it was i think it came out like in 2014 actually like it, it it's like been uh -huh. out there in the yeah. festival circuit for a while and then it just kind of got buried and it just came out in north america this year Mm -hmm. and uh, they've been like on that podcast they were talking it up quite a bit and they seem to be like they like that uh, Oz Perkins guy and uh, I don't know they usually they sometimes mm -hmm. they're like they like a lot of bad stuff so it's always like yeah yes. this could be pretty bad or it could be really good who knows but uh, that's good uh, since you hate horror movies for the most part uh, this, oh, this is like yeah. this is pretty high praise uh, honestly 
I don't hate horror movies. I just have a particular taste. So, yeah, that's what I'll say. I'll say this is my kind of horror movie. I thought this was great. Hmm. So um, I do think I think it deserves high praise because uh, I'm looking at scores and it's like it's like 60 percent and like uh, on Letterboxd, it's a 3.3 average which i don't think is very fair i think it's way higher than that well i mean it's it's no babadook oh fuck exactly movies like the babadook and uh what's that other fucking movie i hate i can't remember babadook it's not a bad movie but it's nowhere near as good as everyone says i mostly thought it was just cliched and contrived kind of boring stuff oh the dog dies oh the babadook scary spooky I, I want you should you should watch this. Put it put it high up on your on your queue. I will. Okay. I'm in the middle but, uh, of like watching a bunch of movies, RJ. <laughs> I know, I know, but I think this would fit well with your uh, aesthetic, uh, with my, your, your current frame of mind. My aesthetics, yeah. Your aesthetic. Uh, watch it. Um, watch it when it's dark because well, it's yeah. a pretty movie too. Yeah. It looks really good. Like that's what I mean. Like as a first time director, like I know this dude like acted and kind of was like around movies and things like that his whole life but uh as a first-time director i thought it was fucking crazy good like hmm. i like it man i yep. think this guy's awesome i'm gonna watch that other movie um like this week because uh, i'm hot on him but i think this his other movie has an even lower rating than this one yeah well we, i know with uh actually i was just remembering this too because i don't know if we talked about it on during google school but there was a uh they on Shockwaves plugging this podcast again. Uh, yeah. They did an interview with Oz Perkins, and I remember actually be, like finding that interview really good. Like he seemed to yep. like really get it, like how to talk mm-hmm. about movies and talk about things interestingly. And um, just talking about like actually, he he dropped the the aesthetic bomb a, a couple times and talking ah, about like nice. how his films work. So it's all it's very fitting that uh, mm-hmm. you uh, unknowingly threw back to that. <laughs> yeah, I um reminded me of that. Yeah, maybe it was uh, locked away in my mind or something. Yeah. And just like every, yeah, a lot of it was, comes down to like a director's taste and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and their decision making while making stuff. So that's good that it sounds like it's uh, paid off uh, for you at least. Uh, it it definitely did for me. You know what I would put him up on? Uh, I put him on Flanagan level, Ooh. Mr. Mike Flanagan, which I know you and me are both pretty big fans of. Yeah. Yeah. So I I put him up there. Like I think between Flanagan and this Oz Perkins, like they should give these guys. All the horror movies. All the horror movies. <laughs> Give him all the horror movies. I'm, I'm sure and this he's... one too. I think. I think he wrote this one also. So yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. So this guy is wicked, man. I uh, I'm gonna watch his other movie this week, and uh, I will listen to that interview and I'll report back okay. for our 51st episode. But uh, <laughs> beautiful. Um, yeah, I thought this movie was wicked, so I wanted to tell you about it mm-hmm. and tell you to watch it asap. Cool. And then, and then I did our uh, our weekly creep, oh. our, our our customary creep this week. We, so. we, our, uh, this will be our crossover. Uh, so, yeah. RJ, uh, I'm guessing that you're alluding to having watched Twin Peaks: The Return Part Eight uh, that part aired on uh, Sunday this week. The, the infamous Part Eight that shook the world. Yeah. So, um, I had started seeing people like posting about Twin Peaks all of a sudden again because I'd say that the last like six weeks had it had really died down on Twitter it seemed like all the big interest that the show had in that first two hour episode they did uh, yeah. was not there the following weeks mostly because they had 
pumped out all f- the first four episodes on the first night and a lot of people just binged it and watched it all and then they talked vaguely about it and not too specific terms and then no but no one talked about the show for three weeks and then when it came back it seemed mm-hmm. like people weren't posting about it too too much but then i saw like a ton of people posting about eight and i was like oh i guess i should get this out of the way before someone like accidentally spoils something for Ruined me it. like without yeah. me like expecting it so i went out of my way uh to watch that episode and i watched the hell out of that thing rj because oh yeah um uh, yeah, it's weird. Like, so, uh, as you know, and people who follow me on Letterboxd know, I've been in a, the midst of a David Lynch rewatch, uh, mm-hmm. starting with Eraserhead the other week. And then I've been continuing on with it. I've watched Elephant Man, Dune, Blue Velvet. Uh, mm-hmm. uh I finished watching season one that I'd started a few weeks ago and I'm starting season two now, building up to Firewalk and then I'll finish off the last five of his movies. Yeah. Um and I like I've just been reminded how much I love David Lynch stuff just between like the TV show and like watching his movies mm-hmm. again that I hadn't seen in years and years. Like just right. uh how much Blue Velvet makes me laugh. <laughs> like everything about uh. like Frank Booth is just like anytime Dennis Hopper's on the screen, I'm just like uh like giggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, like he yeah, he has one of my favorite, favorite lines in any movie I've ever yeah. seen when uh, he, he goes up to Kyle McLaughlin and he's like, what kind of beer do you like? And he's like, Heineken. And he's like, Heineken, fuck that shit. Paps, blue, ribbon. Yeah. And he's doing like finger jabs at him yeah. and stuff. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. No. Baby, baby <laughs> wants to fuck. I love it. I think the thing that like I was laughing the most at was like the end of the movie where uh, – uh, it's like it's the it's the climax, and uh, Colin McLaughlin's hiding in the closet, and then like oh yeah, uh, he he was, well, he tried to leave, but then uh, Dennis Hopper wearing the clear plastic mask disguise or whatever yep. it was, he 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 appears and uh, he goes and hides in the closet, and then uh, Dennis Hopper arrives, and he's just like, you, you forgot about him, police dumber, you f- idiot, <laughs> just he's <laughs> like verbal berating him. How oh, I have the police radio, and just following him to the room. Oh, it's like his line readings are so good. <laughs> He's awesome, man. Yeah. Not since Fishing with John has there been such a good performance. Not uh, then. Uh, Dennis Hopper is Mr. Frank Booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my, our main man, uh, Brad Dourif, is in Blue Velvet. Even he that is. Rules. Yeah, That's Jack. Good. Uh, good yeah, show. Jack Nance. Uh, and those mm-hmm. Jack Nance and Brad Dourif also appear in Dune. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they got some wild hair in that bad boy. Yeah, they're uh, they're baddies. They're uh, Harkonians, which are actually probably the most Lynchian uh, of the groups uh, in the Dune mm-hmm. movie. What about uh, those sandworms? Uh, sandworms are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're I don't know. Lynch. I'm not sure how much we want to talk about uh, Lynch at this or these movies I've rewatched, but uh, it's up to you. Uh, yeah, I, I think Dune gets a tough rap. I think Dune's yeah. like pretty okay uh i'd say the first half is definitely kind of a slowy movie like it takes a long time for stuff to get going but right. I, I i had the experience of like I, I started watching it quite late and then like halfway through i was just like oh, i'm too i'm going to fall asleep if i continue watching so i stopped picked mm-hmm. up back in the morning and the second half when i picked up back in the morning i enjoyed immensely i thought like it's just like there's so much uh cool visuals and uh and actually the funny thing as i didn't realize was brian eno actually did one of these songs in dune uh just like the prophecy theme or something like that right and uh most of the score was done by the band toto uh Mm -hmm. doing its first and only movie score Hmm. uh sadly does not include africa 
Um, yeah. It would have fit, though. Uh, totes. <laughs> totes. Uh, and then, yeah, Elephant Man is uh, pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Um, That's my know, favorite Lynch movie. Yeah, it, it's interesting because yep. the movie's like very unlynch too like it's it's a pretty straightforward movie uh yeah, almost, no, yeah, almost probably as straight as the straight story <laughs> oh shit but uh gross. yeah and then walled heart is still like amongst my least favorite of his movies yeah there's something off about that movie like because usually with the with the twin peaks movies or like mm-hmm. twin peaks movies, the david lynch stuff they, they're kind of even if like the world's kind of hostile or horrific or violent it's a place i i enjoy spending time in there's something about the walled at heart setting that is just like i don't know maybe i'm not much of like a um south not south of the Roman. border but like arizona air like new mexico kind of world like that deep south kind of setting just kind of mm-hmm. i'm not a big fan of the story kind of is a mess and i didn't really get it uh the characters all are all kind of annoying and kind of suck uh other than uh willem dafoe being uh playing his own uh frank booth character i thought he did you know he wasn't even cast in that he just showed up one day and started doing stuff <laughs> well it's a true story there you go and yeah. al- also uh fishing with john alumni <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, everything's connected on this show. Mm-hmm. Everything we do, yeah, because it's, it, it's a circle. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I've just been rewatching Twin Peaks, and boy, when David Lynch directs an episode, you can tell there's a big difference. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Twin Peaks Part Eight. Uh, it starts off like picking up where the previous episode left off with uh, Evil C, Mister C, uh, leaving prison with the guy that he was there to in the first place to go kill. And mm-hmm. then things go astray, and Mr. C winds up shot dead. And then, like, weird ghostly hobo men come out of nowhere yeah. in, like, weird slow motion, uh, haunting style. And they start, like, eating him or cannibalizing him or repairing him or something, something. something, and, something. and then the one guy runs away. And then we get a. The Nine Inch Nails concert. Yeah. Which goes like, I think a little too long. It's definitely like my. It's a full song. It was definitely my least favorite part of the episode because it just seemed like it was there. Like it was just like, oh, this is the best place to put this segment. And then Mr. C's comes back to life. So that's still going. And then the rest Mm -hmm. of the episode is this, um, I guess you could call like, J.J. Uh, Abrams slash uh, Damian Lindelhoff style like mythos dump of information, but via like the filter of David Lynch, where uh, it's like it's it's the most like uh, it's probably as much information as you're ever going to get on the Black Lodge mm-hmm. stuff and like the whole people like spirit world and what the hell is going on. But, but it's like but it's like you don't get any answers at the end of the day. But it yeah. is a like I don't know. 40 minute long visual feast with like no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, it kicks off with an atomic explosion that the camera drives toward. Then we fly into the heart of a nuclear explosion. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like all the graphics uh, you see have been done either by Lynch or by the guys who worked on Cosmos. Right. So you get a lot of explosions and implosions mm-hmm. and atoms being split, all that sort of visual flair. Uh, and then you get to see a convenience store and hobos again, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we get to see uh, the giant. 
Right. We, we get to see a fat lady who I believe has not sung yet. And ah. yeah, <laughs> that's my hot take. And then we see mm-hmm. a giant blowing out space dust that turns into an orb that has uh, Laura Palmer's visage in it that gets sent to Earth. Mm-hmm. And then we get a second segment that's kind of like a throwback to 1950s science fiction movies. Yeah. Um, in, including like digitized or digitized voiced horror hobo men mm-hmm. uh, pulling like Lucio Fulci style head grasps that just cause yeah. people's heads to cave in. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah. And then of course, obviously there's kind of the frog reptile insect rabbit thing that you mm-hmm. get to see crawl into someone's mouth uh if you've been following instagram uh i went a little crazy posting mm-hmm. uh comparing contrast and finding visual similarities in david lynch movies uh right. all weekend and of course like one of the things i noticed was like it's a, a being in a bed is like one of the worst places you could be in a david lynch movie <laughs> and this episode sh- showed that once again <laughs> Do you, do you think he's trying to make a metaphor for like the security of like being in bed and sleeping or the false security? <laughs> uh, I think he might be, RJ. I think he might nice. be. Nice. Um, you get him, Davey. Yeah. And he likes floating people. He likes oh, fuck yeah. bad things happening in beds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in those flicks. And it, it's just incredible how much of. Uh, this episode like is a comes back to Eraserhead because like there's like this oh, one yeah. shot of like this weird floating kind of reptile thing in the blackness that like shoots out its intestines that mm-hmm. uh, has uh, a bob orb in it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my, that little floating reptile thing that looks exactly like a grown up version of uh, uh, Henry's baby in Eraserhead. Oh. Jared, see that's why that's why we do this show so you can have well, the insight like that. Well, I've been like I, I have it like on my uh, iPod ready to be posted, but I, I I don't want to be that guy spoiling stuff on Twitter and people will accidentally come yeah. across it because I'd prefer people go into that episode not knowing mm-hmm. at all what's going to go into it. And so here we are talking yeah. about it. Um, I think it's been enough time. It's been uh, four days. I, I'm going to give you the green light. To just right. go ahead, but uh, no, I didn't even piece that together. But maybe your prediction about Eraserhead being the possible future of the Black Lodge t- taking over—maybe you, maybe that's got some holds water. See, I don't think that's where they're going because there's like, but there's like weird visual stuff. Like but that, that's uh, like, like a what if? Yeah, this is like because I mean, timeline was I'm not sure how that would all work out, but there's yeah. some straight like there's like this like because even um, when Henry kills the little his baby. Uh, mm-hmm. in a racer head like it's it's also it's in a bed it's in the baby's bed and it's like yeah. this like dismembered little thing and like it, it happens is like these kind of moments of extreme violence have created rifts like because mm-hmm. that's what happens in lost highways there's like a rift there right um i don't know i don't know what to make of it i i so one of the things i find those super annoying is going online and trying to like see oh is there any like intelligent conversations about twin peaks going on and nope. um all i see is a lot of people who like make quippy remarks about how oh man people whose job it is to review this show or have their work cut out for them oh they must be dreading being the person who has to write this up first but i'm like this is like a dream for a person to write up about yeah. this because you can't be wrong and you get to mm-hmm. like really like i mean fuck like what what television show 
is out there right now that are like making something that is so like you can actually respond to you can actually like talk yeah. about like thoughts and experiences of watching this and like being wow yeah. i was here to watch this for the first time and uh mm-hmm. like i don't know what to experience like all this it's like I, my mental images were like first is like man showtime just signed off on this and let david lynch do whatever the fuck he wanted like they really did like there's because that episode would never air anywhere mm-hmm. anywhere in a million years and they mm-hmm. just they give him carte blanche and this episode proves that um right and then the other thing was like oh it's like david lynch has like loaded us up on a bus and he's like i'm gonna drive this right off a cliff and you're gonna go on for a ride and because who knows yep. who knows where it goes from here like i don't even know if you, i don't know then i saw people like making like hyperbolic comments like this is like the greatest moment in television history i've ever seen blah 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 and it's like okay now you're doing this like a real disservice like i i wouldn't even yeah. call it the greatest thing i've ever seen in television i definitely would say that was really interesting <laughs> like that yeah. there's like nothing quite like it um but once you start when you start declaring things like that that's when you get the backlash rj uh yeah and i actually i i know what you're talking about i did see a headline to a, a fucking review and it said david lynch just declared war on uh recappers uh, and I was just like, fuck off. Because, <laughs> like, what you said, too, which is, like, if this episode doesn't evoke, like, a, rea- a response in you, like, to talk about, it doesn't, you don't have to explain what happened. But if you can't talk about the episode, then maybe you weren't watching it. Or, like, maybe you're just a bad person. <laughs> well, I saw on the... um on Facebook, they like the Twin Peaks page, like has been posting yeah. their, oh, you can watch this clip again, and then it's like got like hundreds of comments, and I just like click on those to see, oh, let's see what people are saying. And there's mm-hmm. of course there's like the people who are like l- l- gushing and losing their minds, and other people are saying that was like this show sucks, like what a disappointment this has been. I can't stand this, but they're still mm-hmm. watching every week. Um, and then there's people arguing, and there's like one woman that just kept going around saying, "I feel like it's too drug out. It's it just drags on." And I'm like, "Well, come on." Yeah, I mean, if if someone was to come up to this and say, "Oh, it's a little indulgent," I just laugh at them. I'm like, "Oh, well, of course it is. Like, it's super yeah. indulgent. Like, that's fine. I mean, does it work? I mean, I don't know why people want this like crisply edited stuff all the time. I mean, if you do, you could go back and watch like." older david lynch stuff which are actually really tightly edited um Mm -hmm. actually i'd say he's like he like historically speaking he was really good at editing i think now he doesn't care about it so much (laughs) i think i think he's fine with like some experimentation and like being a little bit looser with it yeah Um, Uh, i've talked a lot about this episode so what what did what did you think rj what was your experience watching uh this episode of television single greatest moment in television history (laughs) And I'm saying that with an underbite. Ooh. No, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was a great fucking episode. Yeah. Um, for a lot of the reasons you said, I, I didn't make uh, some of the connections that you did. But um, what the one thing I, I dug about it the most is just a mark on David on all his stuff, I think, in general, is like what you were saying is like maybe his editing is more loose. But I think the way he does like sound editing, which is like not like that's nothing new. He's always been like even in a racer head, like the way he approaches like sound and like Mm -hmm. what he includes in his movies is so fucking like it's it's so different. And it's like so uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It fucking it blows you away. Like I was watching this episode and when he plays around with like. Uh, going forward and going back with like the static men, like the hobos, when they're like going back and forward and then he plays around with the sound that's included in there. And then 
like it's just it's stuff it, you it's stuff that like you don't ever see anywhere mm-hmm. and it's so i think it is it's really special like yeah no, that, no one's even, yeah no one pays attention yeah. to sound design like him i don't think yeah, it's it's so good and then even like the obvious parts too like when the nuke goes off and then there's just that like that like uh noise or those people it's like huh like you that, know that like that, really that, dooming kind of that's sound. so that sound is actually uh that's actually a piece of music that uh, i can't remember what it was it was like music written as a dedication to the victims of hiroshima uh-huh. oh, shit. <laughs> so, so it actually is like incredibly apt for what it was and it's yeah. like i mean and then it just keeps going and going and going that like piercing drift oh man that that was just amazing like yeah <sighs> yeah so yeah that my my biggest takeaway was that holy fuck my, my like holy fuck does david lynch know how to do sound and i mean that's not news he's always done yeah. that yeah i've seen so, i saw a few people like freaking out online saying like they watched the episode with headphones on like on the end oh. they're like saying like yeah it's amazing yeah i could see that um no i thought that was great it, and it's like uh well often the case with david lynch is like his stuff plays out like horror like the way like it's that slow build up to things and then you get hobos fucking crushing people's skulls with their gross hobo fingers Mm -hmm. and then you got the uh the people in the uh the big house out in the water with that laura palmer orb and i thought that was pretty cool Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just all the images and stuff like what you're saying you're just you're sitting there and you're just like oh man (laughs) this is good stuff (laughs) and you just watch it and then it ends and you're like oh i hope there's more of that yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know what you know what the real boner is though, RJ. Oh no, there's no new episode next week because it's a holiday I, weekend. I heard, but you know what? This is a great moment for a lot of people out there, and I know one in particular. Uh, this is a great moment to catch up on David Lynch stuff. Any of the movies you've never seen, or anything that you've been looking to get into, mm-hmm. this is the time to do it because he he goes out on a fucking bang. I guess this is like their semi mid season break. Yeah. Kind of. So yeah, you catch up on Lynch stuff or kind of get ahead of whatever you were, you want to do to bring you back here. But yeah, that's, that is a real boner. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I was going to ask you cause you brought it up once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two things for you. Is the 18 episodes, is that it? Like has, has he said there's think, nothing else? I'm pretty sure that is it. Like I like because if he ends it, I'm sure he'll end it on like the way he wants it to be, and like I wouldn't really expect anything else. I just wasn't sure. And then I was also gonna ask, do you know how well it's doing? Okay. Like with with Showtime and and all that. Like, are are people actually subscribing to Showtime? So I was looking at this. And uh, it was on Wikipedia and their ratings. So, like, the first episodes, like, the first two episodes, they aired at the same time. And they did, like, whatever, like, a, a, a .5 rating, which I think right. for Showtime is fine. And then they were way down for the third and fourth episode because they aired them on TV for – or they put them online, like, a week early to get people right. to subscribe. So this is all television ratings. And then the f- four, fifth and sixth episode were, like, in that – Two point like point two five range. I have no idea how this episode did. Um, I could find out, but I I have no idea if there's going to be more. Like I, I've been thinking about that. Uh, if it's going to yeah. happen, yeah. Because I, I I wanted to ask because I wasn't sure like how the actual. I like, think this is it. Though. Current rate. 
current yeah that's yeah that's fine yeah i'm 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 ha- like what i think you said before i'm glad we got it at all so yeah. that that's awesome uh but cuz yeah i was wondering how the actual ratings were doing because you know to once this fucker gets released on like blu-ray or something it's uh, i imagine it, people buy the fuck out of it i'm going to buy it and i don't buy anything yeah like when when they release the return on blu-ray uh, as a okay. as a big pack so i'm looking i'm looking here doing some deep dive uh, according to us viewers so yeah the first two episodes uh, did, did a 0.5 3 and 4 did a 0.195 which is pretty bad um uh-huh. and but that's because they gave them away online for free so like why would people right. watch it a second time but it tells you how many people are watching stuff online to how many people are watching stuff on like when it airs mm-hmm. uh and then 5 6 7 8 they're all in at 2.5 or 0.25 0.27 uh, 0.29. So episode seven actually did the best of the current episodes. And then, hmm. uh, yeah, part eight did a 2.46. So it did the second worst. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what happens in two weeks when it comes back. Oh, but guess, oh, hey, that's, in, that's interesting news. Uh, the last two episodes will air is one on one night. Part 17 oh, nice. and 18 will be, it'll be September 3rd is the end of this show. So September 3rd. Well, yeah. mark your fucking calendars. Maybe we'll have a podcast that day. Yeah. Uh, that'll be a long weekend for us. That's Labor Day weekend. I don't want to adhere to. Oh, right. You don't have a job. Things like that. Hey, <laughs> shut up, nerd. Classic. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. But yeah. So yeah. Twin Peaks rules. Twin Peaks talk. Um, other things I watched, uh, I watched a Spanish horror movie, RJ, inspired by our oh, conversation last week about a Spanish horror. Uh, Paul Nashi, Nashi, he's kind of like mm. a, a, a pretty famous figure of like 60s, 70s, uh, Spanish horror. He starred in mm. a bunch of stuff, even directed some of his own stuff. Uh, he famously played the werewolf, uh, he was like the Spanish Lon Chaney, uh, just playing the werewolf like 12 times. Mm. And uh, so I, I watched this little number called Dr. Jekyll versus the Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some tits and some gore. Um, tits? Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, there's nothing really here to recommend. Oh. So, oh, well, that sucks. Is, is that what Jurassic World is like? Spanish horror? Uh, Jurassic World 2 uh, will yep. be just like this with gore oh. and tits. So that actually sounds really good now that I say it out loud. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, okay. What? Uh, we'll What's wrong with tits and gore? Uh, I only like good Catholic movies where there's no such thing as tits or gore. Okay. So take that, weirdo. Uh, other thing I'll mention that I watched is the documentary that popped up on Netflix this weekend called Nobody Speak, Trials of the Free Press. Oh, fuck. What was that about? Something really interesting and not boring at all, I think. Uh, well... It's. I thought going in that it was just going to be a documentary about the Hulk Hogan versus Gawker trial from Ooh, last that's year. That's actually cool. Yeah. So I mean, I had followed like a lot of this um, as it was happening, so I kind of remembered sure. like a lot of the highlights. And so it's always interesting to kind of watch one of these sort of trials that like kind of create a uh, narrative out of like a, tr- a court story. 
And especially one that I, I actually kind of had paid attention to. It's not just like I'm watching Making a Murderer for the first time and learning it as I go. Yeah. This, I knew what the conclusion was, and I also knew the twist. Um, and I don't know. It's because of my uh, interest in the, the wrestling world that this would get brought up quite a bit back over the course of the last few years. Uh, right. But it's a really weird documentary because it kind of goes away from that mission statement of being like a Hulk Hogan versus Gawker story and it kind of goes into this idea that like uh, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with this aspect of the story so Hulk Hogan won his court case and yes. he won a lot of money uh, like oh, he, he I know he, he was awarded more money than they were asking for which is like ridiculous <clears throat> and it was like yeah. it was done in this way like the uh, the Hogan legal team made it so that this wasn't an insurance Thing, so that Gawker's insurance did not protect them from this lawsuit, that it would actually, uh, like, nice. it would uh, potentially bankrupt them. And it and did, didn't it? It did, because uh, they had no money to pay these ridiculous fees that they couldn't pay. Um, but the one of the the person that was paying uh, Hogan's uh, uh, legal fees uh, going along with this was this uh, rather rich, uh, you know, billionaire software developer named Peter mm-hmm. Thiel, uh, who is the man who, uh, co-created PayPal <laughs> amongst oh. other things. So his whole thing though, is that, um, he is a, like, kind of like an Ayn Rand sort of libertarian man who Ooh. believes in like, I don't know, the, the individual against the state, uh, the idea that like an uninhibited individual, like left to their own devices, will do great things, and like the, everything is against them, and they, they should be like free from that sort of meddling. Um, and basically, the, uh, Gawker ran a, a foul of him like several years ago when they like did a story on him being gay, which wasn't like public oh. knowledge. Like he just okay. like that was like his private life, but Gawker being Gawker, uh, they just ran the story about it. Like he's totally gay, but like it's not like a thing where it's like, oh, he, this is he's like gay. It's like no, the like the founder of Gawker is also a gay man, and he just mm-hmm. thinks that they should, uh, the society should normalize how gay people are viewed. So so put out a uh, internet report about how someone's gay. Yeah, against it, against it. their will. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, Gawker's Gawker's a piece of scumbag shit. It's like they they suck. There's no uh, getting around that. I don't think. Though this documentary tries to paint it as like Gawker. I mean, they they did some bad things, but did they really deserve this? And it's like, no, Gawker's yeah. terrible. All the people involved are dirtbags, uh, yeah. and they've had a, such a bad influence on media as as a whole that. Now we have the situation mm-hmm. that we're in where you have like uh, thousands of people or tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people online talking about fake news, not even knowing what they're talking about. And so like mm-hmm. this, this documentary just starts making these big leaps about like rich individuals using their wealth to like destroy the free press and like try to like quiet like media from like making certain claims and like they can just bury stuff in court and like destroy our organizations. And they point to like another like rich white guy who like bought a Las Vegas newspaper, to, like for some reason to like run stories that are favorable to him. And then Donald Trump running down the media, it, it became this like sprawling mm. mess of a documentary that I just like, I don't know. It wasn't, like a bad bad documentary but i think it could have been so much better um it's like an hour and a half but it still felt like they were padding it out with stuff and like i it seemed like they were making this and then donald trump won and they could be like oh we can make all these links even though they're not fully fleshed out yeah it's it's no adam curtis documentary that's for sure i can't believe 
you chose to watch that instead of hot dogging down water slides with me the other day. <laughs> oh yeah, folks. Uh, RJ came to my door wearing a like tank top, just like and it was like thir- I was going to the pool. It's it, appropriate. It was like pool. 33 degrees outside, and you're like driving around town looking for a fucking pool that's open, but nobody will have you. They keep like they saw you coming and they just flipped the sign saying, "Sorry, we're closed." It, and then they're they like, lobster swimsuit. What, what about those people behind you in the pool? Oh, they're, uh, they're leaving. You can't, you have to go now. Yep. Wait, yeah. I think it's because my swimsuit has lobsters on it and it's too real too for the real world. Yeah. It makes them uh, yeah. get aware of like the treatment of lobsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you made me feel like a real jerk. You're like, you're going to a water park. I'm watching documentaries, bettering myself. Yeah, I, I actually. Now, I, now that I know what you watched, I just, I had just finished watching that documentary when you came to my door. Yeah. When you, when well, you darkened my doorstep. Yeah. Well, you're the jerk then. Uh, Everybody knows. Anyway, that's it for my creeps. Uh, David Lynch is wicked. Uh, hey, RJ, you got any news for us? Not really. There was no real news. Other than uh, not movie, but, you know, Nintendo's making that Super Nintendo mini console. But it's not really news because no one's going to get one, so it doesn't matter. Uh, But you know what I have instead of news? We got a review on the iTunes. What? Which is rare, but very good because uh, the iTunes is the one that matters, I think. And uh, it's really hard to review on because you have to go through iTunes Store through podcasts and a bunch of bullshit. But, uh, yeah, we got a review on there. You want to hear? Sure. <laughs> well, I don't have news, so I thought okay. I'd, I'd bring it up. It's okay. a five-star review. Whoa. From a, a person named Tasty Corn. Wow. And the review is called Film and Friendship. <laughs> and I thought it was I thought this was actually really nice. It made me smile. Yeah. So here's the review. Take a chance on these two sweet boys <laughs> and, their, and their conquest to creep the Criterion Collection. Hot takes on some hot flicks. Especially if you're a fan of horror, come for the Criterion's, stay for the camaraderie, and that's. I, I thought that was very nice. That's some grade A copy right there. Take a chance on these two sweet boys. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me smile. But uh, I, I'm, I mean, I've never really stated that we're friends, so I think this guy's <laughs> taking a few leaps. Yeah, this this individual. You're a work acquaintance at best. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, no, I I just there was no news, and I was like, hey man, we got a review. Awesome. I like throw that. that puppy up there. I like that. Yeah. What about you? Do you have movie news? <sighs> no. <laughs> yeah, because nothing happened. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what anything bomb in the box office? Anything to shit on? <laughs> uh, I heard that Han Solo movie's just in a fucking nosedive. Oh. The director's what? left. Ronnie Ron Ronnie How Ron How. Yeah, because he's exactly what you think of when you think hip, young Star Wars action movies. Oh, you know, uh, app- no, apparently because uh, tra- tra- they, they they hired a uh, uh, acting coach and uh, they fired their editor too. So I think that movie's fucking going down. Nah, I'll be fine. It's, Nobody it's, cares. It's protected. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so actually, one, one thing that was interesting uh, was. Uh, at the comic store, um, B- Bobby <gasps> made a comment about how, like, Star Wars merchandise, like statues and stuff like that, they used to be like pretty good sellers for us historically over the last, I don't know, 
20 years he's been in business running it uh, right. has really declined. Like nobody cares about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder why that is. Oh, I know. It's because there's like an endless stream of Star Wars now. Because it yep. used to be like Star Wars was special. You'd only get three mm-hmm. movies over the course of six years. And then that was that. And then you wouldn't get any more. And then so people would just like suck up whatever they could get. But now yep. that it's fallen into the hands of Disney, where it's like a nonstop like uh, assault of product, yep. there's no specialness in it, and there's no way anyone could ever own everything, which mm-hmm. makes people less inclined to want to buy something if they they can't complete there's no, it. There's no end to it, and you can never complete it. So yep. that has less of an appeal to it. And there's like comics now, all like there's like four or five Star Wars mm-hmm. comics coming out. Like they've got you covered, and every year there's going to be a new movie. Forever, until they yeah, un, until people that's stop. That's what the CEO until, said. Until people stop going, there's going to be yeah. a movie every year, and uh, yeah, they're gonna. I mean, that's what the world is. So Star Wars, and I'm sure Han Solo. I, it's not even worth really discussing because that movie it'll come out and it'll be it's critic proof. It'll make more yeah. money than we'll ever see in our lives, and uh, maybe you and and the the franchise will continue. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure about uh, Transformers 5. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it still did. It was number one on the weekend, but it'll yeah. drop off quick. Oh, yeah. Apparently, it's a, a real stinko, too. Um, real even, stinko? Even, yeah. Even, like, compared to, like, what other Transformers movies do, which, I mean, they're all, yeah. they're, they're all like, bad Michael Bay movies, but... Um, what do you mean bad? The, the, one, the one Michael Bay movie we've talked about so far was nothing but gold. So I don't know what you mean by bad Michael Bay movie. Because actually, I think we have another one coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon. Yeah. Sorry, what are you talking about? I don't know. I, I don't, don't care. I don't fucking know. That was my news. That, I saw <laughs> that. Because hey, hey, uh, that, that is relevant. Michael Bay, director yep. of Armageddon. One, that is one true. One of our most listened to episodes, and it's so goddamn long. <laughs> I fucking I love it. I'm so happy that that episode actually did well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. It's like if you're gonna listen to an episode of like randomly of a podcast, like at this point, if somebody tuned into our show, they have like 50 episodes to choose from. Uh, like a crazy person yeah. might start from the beginning and work their way up, which is awesome because that's how I would do yep. it because I'm crazy. Um, but like a, a sane person would probably first start out by cherry picking some episodes. So they'd be like, "Oh, let's listen to what they have to say about Seven Samurai, RoboCop." That type of thing, and then be like, "Oh, Armageddon." I'm, I'm curious what they have to say about Armageddon, and like, because it's like yeah. that's like the worst movie, and then they'll listen to it, and uh, we'll have our 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 creep take on uh, Armageddon, where I let you take the mm-hmm. reins. <laughs> oh man, I'm so happy, and you know what? That probably scared off a lot of people. But as Tasty Corn said, just give these boys a chance. Give us a chance. They're sweet boys, sweet <laughs> sweet corn, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I'm happy about that. Yeah. I'm going to let's watch Armageddon again once a year for the show. <laughs> no. Kate. <laughs> uh, that's it for news, RJ. <clears throat> we got a review right. to get to for sure our do. 50th episode. <gasps> After the break, uh, we're going to make you face your own face as we kill you. Gross. Spoilers. <laughs> Peeping Tom. After the break.
Look out! Take care. You are being watched. We repeat, take care, for you are now alone with a killer. We warn you, don't let him see the fear in your eyes. For this is what he seeks, and this is why he kills. Where are you? Look out for Carl Byrne as the peeping Tom. Fear him, but pity him also. It's so good. Watch out for Moira Shearer as the lovely stand-in who innocently dances into danger. Imagine. Someone coming towards you who wants to kill you regardless of consequences a madman yes Wait! anna massey is the girl who falls victim to the charms of a lonely stranger upstairs switch it off mark mark switch it off Maxine Audley, as the blind woman who senses the danger that threatens her and her daughter, but is helpless. Don't be frightened. Not frightened. Hot. So put that camera away! There is no future for anyone who tries to befriend him. He invades the privacy of innocent people till the piercing eyes of his camera meet the terrified eyes of his victims. And with a compulsion akin to madness, he shoots the final fearful scene. And we're back. And tonight we're talking about Peeping Tom from 1960, directed by Michael Powell. From the letterbox synopsis, uh, the film's tagline, what made this the most diabolical murder weapon ever used? Loner Mark Lewis works at a film studio during the day and at night, takes racy photographs of women. Also, he's making a documentary on fear, which involves recording the reactions of victims as he murders them. He befriends Helen, the daughter of the family, living in the apartment below his, and he tells her vaguely about the movie he's making. She sneaks into Mark's apartment to watch it and is horrified by what she sees, especially when Mark catches her. That's kind of a bad description for this movie. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I kind of like reading these now because it's like, oh, this is someone's first like view of what this movie could be about. Mm-hmm. Um. My first introduction to this movie was, uh, I remember, you know, looking through that Criterion catalog in the day and you come across the word peeping Tom. And I don't know, uh, how long that expression has kind of been in like the, Mm -hmm. the culture. Uh, but it's like usually, oh, you don't want to be a peeping Tom because this is like once it's, you're a perv. Don't be a perv, Mm -hmm. kids. Don't like look over at things. Don't look between, like between fence posts and stuff like that. Um, so this film, it's like, sounds very like, oh, this is about bad stuff. It's about a a being naughty. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Being up to no good. 
So, uh, and then like, I think it was like on Roger Ebert's like great movies list, uh, Martin Scorsese like talks this movie up quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. talking about how it's like a great encapsulation of being like a filmmaker. <laughs> um, hmm. yeah. Interesting if true. Yes. So I'd seen this movie many years ago. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I'd watched it. Uh, it's, it's like out of print. Uh, it's one of those movies that's kind of fallen by the wayside due to, uh, Studio Canal, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, pulling, uh, it out of the collection. And so it's not available on Blu-ray or anything, at least in North America. Uh, so we're kind of stuck with the uh, old DVD, which I still have my copy of. I think I wound up getting it like used, uh, before it went like crazy in prices. Uh, so anyway, uh, I've always liked this movie. Uh, mostly because of its subject matter. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, if I think about like Michael Powell, like the Archer sort of movies, like the Red Shoes, uh, mm-hmm. Black Narcissist, which we'll be watching in a few couple months here. Uh, this movie, just like from a subject matter standpoint, like just is far more up my alley because it's sort of like in that thriller sort of uh, world rather than a, a drama. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, what to say? Maybe I'll throw it over to you, RJ, since you have never seen this movie before. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you think of Peeping Tom? I think I watched the wrong movie. Uh oh. I was watching a movie with Tom Arnold. <laughs> Is that the same Tom? Are you Are you talking about his tapes? Yeah, his special tapes. Uh, no, okay, yeah. So this was first watch for me. Uh, obviously I thought the title was really fun. I thought it was a super appropriate, uh, movie for our big 50. Yeah. I mean, the, dirt, the dirty 50 creeps preying on women as we've <laughs> joked before, uh, as you've joked before, don't include me in on that. You and your rape man movies. Um, some, some astute listener will go back and find out which episode that's in, but uh, I'll leave it to them. Uh, no, yeah, I thought it was very fitting, so I was pretty jacked, and mm-hmm. uh, I heard it was not bad at this movie, so I was like, all right, let's go. Let's give it a shot. And uh, as we've said before, this guy is probably the director of the most underrated, underappreciated Criterion Collection film we have so far come across, which is The Red Shoes. Which, oh, for, uh, this, for, for our episodes. No, I think just in, well, I don't know. No, like, it Red, doesn't Red Shoes, like Red, shoes no, Red Shoes is pretty rich. Red Shoes is pretty beloved by folk. Uh, okay, so actually, us. as the four before mentioned, uh, Martin Scorsese and Roger course, Ebert, yeah. they they really like that Red Shoes. But yeah. no, uh, here's a little behind, so. a little behind the scenes, folks. Uh, Red Shoes, for whatever reason, is like one of our like least listened to episodes, and I don't know why that would be. Because like in my mind, I think Red Shoes is like a fairly well known movie, but maybe no one really cares about Red Shoes much these days. Maybe the uh, Powell Pressburger style has just kind of fallen out, but I know people like Black Black Narcissists, and um, I don't know. They're well represented in the uh, cruise. But anyway, anyway, so. Well, yeah, I I just brought it up because I feel like it's a shame because I think we both really dug that movie, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's too bad that other people might not also dig that movie. Mm -hmm. So anyways, yeah, I was pretty jazzed about this. Um, I went in there. I watched this bad boy, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, I don't think it's great. Mm. I don't think it's like uh, I don't think it's gonna change your life or anything like that. Nothing mm. crazy. It's not the mm. the most uh, the most spectacular television event of the the century, as other people might say. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I think at the time, because like as I understand, there was a big controversy for the uh, 
subject matter or whatever. Um, people didn't like these creepy dudes killing people or ladies and such and such. Um, I think at the time I would have liked it more, but I'm a creep like you now and I'm desensitized to stuff. Mm-hmm. I did still think it was, I, I did still really like it. And there, there are certain moments throughout the film that I think they do really, really well. Uh, on a whole, I liked it. I thought it was a good show. Um, a good just flick. A good flick. Yeah, no, I liked it. I just didn't love it or anything like that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's bad or anything either. Um, there's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I think at the start, it's like the Ziggy Stardust cover. And I was like, that's weird. I think it looks just like it. So I didn't even look at when this movie came out. And I was like, I don't know who's copying who. Hmm. But that, that was the one that was the one big poll I had. I was like, this looks just like Ziggy Stardust as soon as the movie yeah. started. Yeah. So that's a. I'll, I'll leave that to you to no, look up. There's like something to that. Like, I don't know if it's just like the English street. Like it isn't the same. Like, but there's like, there's something about the colors. I think it's that painted look it's, because the in the peeping Tom street shot, it's like it's like it's a matte painting, which I think is what you're yeah. getting at. Like I'm looking at it right now, um, and it's not the same. Uh, it's not, but it, it has a it has a like it has the same feel to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no. Like when you said it out loud, I was like, "Yeah," because yeah. like I remember, like when that shot came up, I was like, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. Like I forgot about that. That looks so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like I would say that like the first thirty minutes of this movie are really good. Like I mm-hmm. like thought they were fantastic. And then right. the then it kind of just like go keeps going, keeps going. Um, and it's like yeah. kind of like it never really. Uh, goes anywhere super interesting. Like it's just kind of like, right. yep. And then he just kind of knocks off a couple more women. Like it's, he's not like this yeah. like mate sex depraved maniac or whatever. Like he's just mm-hmm. not just like killing ladies constantly. It's not like a Elijah Wood and maniac or something like that. Right. Like it's pretty sedate uh, compared mm-hmm. to stuff that would come out of this. Like fuck. Like if you want to watch the some like real rough movies, there's like. Uh, angst would be with something like that or uh shram which really have like mm. real real evocative names <laughs> that i'm gonna of, like, avoid those uh, yeah those aren't uh, rj picks that's for sure um yeah no yeah so so anyways that was my first big poll but i was gonna say like i think there are certain things this movie does really well that eventually got taken over by a lot of other uh filmmakers mm-hmm. like um one one thing i really like was uh him like filming uh, the discoveries of like the bodies and stuff like that for yeah. his documentary. So it, it's kind of like that idea of like the guys going back to like the, trying to relive the crime. Well, like, well it's yeah, that, like, it's, it's a cliche serial killer now. Memento Go, thing. Going back to the yeah. scene of the crime. That's always the mistake the murderers make. But like, you know what I mean? It's like that memento thing where like they're trying to like relive because you're trying to get that that rush back. I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. There's that scene where the blind lady feels his heart and then you just get his heartbeat kind of overlap over dropped on the other audio. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I think people copied that a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's a red dragon scene in this movie oh. where he's like showing the <laughs> yes. videos or it's oh. like the okay. murders are playing and over the blind lady's face. Yeah. So I was like, I think, I think, Fucking what's his face? Tom Harris or whatever copied this movie. Well, yeah, my, I'm, this is a movie I think uh, people are probably beat down with in film school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if necessarily yeah. Michael Mann 
might have seen, like he probably was aware of the movie and that scene was definitely lifted somewhere along the line from probably yeah. this um like because even that's like that shows up in um Ingmar Bergman too uh right. there's like the one scene of the woman looking at like the video of her own life playing through it's a little it's more symbolic than, than literal here but yeah yeah so Bergman I don't know would have been first uh, maybe RJ uh since you I don't you haven't probably taken any film studies classes or uh, women's studies classes but uh <gasps> this film is quite popular uh when talking about uh women in film because uh one prominent uh feminist um film scholar named Laura Mulvey. She wrote this like really iconic uh, paper about like the, about the male gaze in reference to like film. And this is like kind of the movie that like, are you, I mean, are you familiar with the, the theoretical idea of like the gaze? Like how, like I can, I think I can piece that. So, I mean, it's very like, I didn't brush up on this stuff, but essentially boils down to like a lot of like the way culture is dictated is because the way we, we assume things are the way they are because everything we look at, be it like magazines, photography, uh, movies, books, they're all from the, like a a, a male perspective. And so we just assume that like, well, this is just the way things are, but like we, we forget like even like, uh, like, uh, women can get caught up in this way of looking at things. Like basically women are constantly sexualized in film and like in video and everything like that. So even women are like, Oh, that's the way it is. And if you don't stop and think about it and like take a step back, uh, you can just fall into this trap that this is just normal. This is what life just is rather than this is a construction of the culture that you live in where uh, like sexualization of women, objectification of women and like the glorification of capitalism, (laughs) for instance, Mm -hmm. they're all just normal in a particular worldview. And when like every movie you watch kind of just goes along with that TV show commercial, it's a constant, like just, that's what it is. That's just the way of life. And so uh, that this this is sort of like an idea that goes to like, uh, I guess fall under the uh, rhetoric of like cultural Marxism, if you will. Uh, So it's like pretty commonplace way of people talking about stuff in university. And I think like a move, like this is a movie that like really is easy to apply this theory too because this movie also Mm. embraces that construct too because it's like you are put into the perspective of the killer and so you become uh uh complicit with the killer like there's like this Mm -hmm. is all like kind of like stuff that i kind of find mm, weird like not weird but just like kind of shaky and kind of doesn't prove anything it's an interesting way of talking about movies because you can apply this this system to anything and see what kind of emerges it's not necessarily what the director was thinking or relevant to anybody else or whatever what have you but um it's like oh i need to write an essay and this is a fun way of doing it because this movie boy uh if you're into that freud this movie's got a lot of that going on (laughs) Yeah, like like that 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 tripod leg <laughs> that like has a knife on the end and it's just like it just sticking out all phallic life and it's like like one of the first shots of this movie it's like it's a close up of the guy's eye so it's like mm-hmm. there it is the first thing we see in this movie is a man's eye and then we cut to a woman standing in the street like being a prostitute she's just there for uh, you to look at and to debate hmm do I want to pay her money to have sex with mm-hmm. and. Uh, then the next shot is like him, like with his camera, which is like kind of like his like penis kind of peeking out of his coat. <laughs> like, it's like just like these weird little mm-hmm. things that you start thinking about that. And like, yeah, the movie just plays out that way. Um, 
But I mean, so yeah. uh, Laura Mulvey like laid that groundwork for like thinking about uh, film in this particular way. And this is that movie that like, t- like I think she used as like the groundwork for that. I wrote a paper on this goddamn thing. You like back oh, in like two, 2002 when I was like very, like when I was like 19 and like very ill-equipped to talk about this stuff, <laughs> but I, tr- I gave it an old college try. Um, uh, you are gross. I am gross. So anyway, so I, yeah. I, I've, I have thought about this movie uh, a bit. Um, anyway, so ga- the gaze. That's that. I'll just okay. put that out there. It's there, man. Cool. Uh, that cool. that first cool. street shot that you mentioned looks mm-hmm. like uh, Ziggy Stardust. Uh, mm-hmm. When I saw that, I'm like, man, that shot looks amazing. And you just like knew immediately. Yeah, this is a guy who worked on the red shoes because like yeah. it just like has that like the colors are not realistic, but they're very evocative and they they they're they're as good as uh, real like right. for a film. Uh, and it's cool, and I wish more movies would go down this route. Uh, the one thing I liked right off the bat here was the uh, uh, the the sex worker uh, standing mm. in front of the window. She's standing in front of this window that's like just like essentially a dismembered mannequin woman. <laughs> so like the the yeah 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 the the violent uh, imagery toward women mm-hmm. like begins right off the bat with her looking at a window, which is again about display, et cetera, et cetera. <gasps> You purr. I know. It's all, you... yeah. Anyway, I really like the first like half hour of this movie, like I said already, is like really good. There's like no music yeah. really, like or it's very minimal music. Like you just see him like mm-hmm. filming her secretly going up the stairs and it's all very mundane. Her like boring, like she's very boredly takes off her clothes and then she gets killed. Uh, we yeah. get the first person point of view and like this, the whole mm-hmm. thing, because you're watching it also through a viewfinder. Um, which like situates you that you were watching a uh, like a camcorder. So I mean, back back when you didn't have a camcorder, so you didn't just have like a downgrade found footage style deal. You actually had to uh, mm-hmm. designate you were watching raw footage because the, the viewfinder is still there. And whether or not many people knew what viewfinders looked like in 1960 that wouldn't have used a film camera, they might just be like, "Oh, that's what that means. This is what it looks like to be behind the camera." Again, putting people back in the mm-hmm. position that like they're complicit in these murders, they're allowing it to happen because they're watching it. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, yeah, I, I know. And, what and it totally is it like uh, I think lifted with uh, Michael Myers in the first Halloween movie. Oh fuck yeah! Because it's like the whole going up the stairs, going into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. There's another one too. I just remembered where uh, at the end of the movie it like goes to black. And there's like a whisper. Someone's like saying something spooky. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, that gets lifted a lot. But then it gets ruined. Like there's a whisper and the fade to black. And then there's like a big bright orange. And it's like, dun, dun, <laughs> it's just, and you're just like, oh, man, that kind of ruins it. <laughs> but th- this movie also has, um, I think, like those other things were things I liked that I feel like get copied a lot. And then it had a, a things that I don't like hmm. that are kind of goofy okay. where it was just like. The, it's like the the victims they were found and they have like the expression frozen in their face and it's like my god she must have saw something very spooky look at her face and then they find the other victim and it's like it's the same face and and then it's like he's talking he's like you do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is and he's like it's fear and and i was like all right man Udo Kier Light. Oh my, yeah, that's my note. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy is trying to be Udo Kier so bad. Well, they, like I don't, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but like they don't mention that like this guy is German, right? Like 
Even no, though... no, he, he's not given any backs. Well, he's given backstory, well, yeah. but not like his cultural mm-hmm. significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like I'm not sure if I, was, I forgot to look this up. If the actor was is in fact a, a German actor, because he has that like Udo Kier, uh, Pierre Laurie vibe to him, and his like weird bulgy eyes, smooth skin, slicked back hair, and like kind of off pronunciation mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, which could also be an affectation to maybe play up the Peter Lorre M uh, feel, because this, this movie yeah. uh, fits right alongside an M uh, in the the creep zone. It's a good call. Yeah, um, and then yeah, we get to see uh, the the footage play out, uh, and it's cool that it's actually the footage that we saw being filmed instead of like. Mm-hmm. Even like uh, in uh, the Twin Peaks episode from this week, where we saw like the films film footage used as like, oh, this is it being played on the screen. <laughs> like this is David Lynch making yeah. a film, and now the giant gets to watch it, which makes sense because there it's like David Lynch world where it doesn't have to make that kind of sense. But like in movies mm-hmm. all the time, they're like, oh, we have this like news report footage of this event happening, and all it is is like they put a grainy filter on like film footage, <laughs> and it just looks like horseshit. Yeah. And yeah. it's like it's like what the fuck? How did they get these shots? Where, where are they? How did they edit this? This is raw footage. Uh, here it's like, uh, no, he's playing an old film studio. He would just turned off the button. It's all in camera editing and uh, we get to see it all play out again because it's his memento of the event and then him going back to the scene of the crime to really draw in uh his his handiwork and just uh, relive the moment again mm-hmm. uh we get to see his his side hustle working at a like pervy uh Peep convenience show. store where they sell yep. uh like just on full display f- uh photos of ladies and uh i love the uh the slimy old British dude coming in for his uh, newspaper and pack of smokes or bread. And then he's like, oh, I understand you have views. And it's like, views? Oh, oh, I see. And he's like, yes, here's my the private stash of uh, photos of the ladies that were uh, local girls photographed here. And he's like, oh, yeah. I, I'll take one of those. Oh, how much for the whole book? And it's like, yep, uh, that's the guy. And then, of course, he goes to pay and he forgets his bread and newspaper because we all know deviants got to deviate. Yeah, well, haven't you done that when you've Mm -hmm. had a cart full of groceries and then you buy porn instead? And then you're like, oh, I don't have enough for my groceries. I'll just get the magazine, please. Put back the butter. Uh, The 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 baby chips. Oh, people totally do it, too. It's it's kind of amazing. I believe that's Mm -hmm. like one of the – I remember like – maybe it was like in like sex ed class. Like they're saying, well, if you feel like uncomfortable buying condoms, just buy something else and uh, it will just be more normal for you. Yeah, condoms and then like a big pack of deli meat or something. It's like that's totally normal. <laughs> yeah, my my, uh, my honey ham. Your honey ham or you know something gross like head cheese. It's like here's your head cheese, dude. Uh, Go I'd nuts! Love, I'd love to find the the deli counters that still has head cheese around here. And uh, Andrew's grandpa makes it. Oh, <laughs> he, he's from he's from old Europe. Oh yeah, they got that taste for uh, the rank. He, he makes it, make it a head cheese. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, going along with that scene, uh, we also get the girl coming in for candy, uh, playing mm-hmm. against the, the creep factor. And then you also get the great question, should I put you on our mailing list? <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish I was on more mailing lists like that. I can arrange that. <gasps> Do it. Yeah, you'll get all the emails. Well, what are we waiting on? <laughs> Uh, Jeez. hey, RJ. Yo. When you had 21-year-old girls come over to your place in your heyday, uh, did, you, did you pop out your dad's documentation of torturing you? 
No, I have the one though where it's just pictures of me pooping my pants. Uh, I feel like it's almost the same effect. But then, but, but then you had the footage of like your like at your birthday when you're like 14, and your dad's like, "Hey guys, let's watch a video," and then he starts playing yeah. the video of you pooping your pants in front of your friends. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was weird because like she like demands to watch it, and then she gets a little unruly with him. She's like, "Oh, I don't like what I'm seeing here." And he's like, well, I, I didn't want to show you. He's like, you're the one who I, who, who asked to watch. Mm-hmm. So that was weird, <laughs> lady. It's like, why, why did you want to pop that in? I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. But she had some weird behavior, like, at the end when he's like, okay, quick spoiler. When he's, like, <laughs> got that spike right in front of his throat, the actual actress in real life bumps him real good. And he, like, basically, like, pokes his own throat. And I was like, God damn, lady, that's pretty risky. Just running into this dude full on when he's got that spike in front of him. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was the actress. Maybe. She don't give a darn. Uh, so during the – and then we get to see him go to work and has mm-hmm. his work his day job. It's like he's like seems actually pretty like – set to go you know for a guy in yeah. this sort of world like like in those movies i mentioned earlier angst and shram uh th- those guys are real fucking losers like they're like yeah. scumbags they don't like oh i get to live in this like nice little like uh apartment building that like was just like left to me and i'm like the landlord and you know i got a job in the film industry <laughs> like he's like uh-huh. he's got it pretty good um he's not like a real sad bastard working like i don't know a janitor killing like women you? on the side or whatever or like something yeah. like that he's not like he's not really down and out he's kind of more in the ted bundy mode i guess but he doesn't have the mm-hmm. he doesn't exude confidence that i think these type of guys would need to like kind of get away with this or at least like draw women in i think like they'd be kind of like they feel sorry for a guy like this but i think that yeah. they would usually it's like i don't know people need to be drawn in with some confidence so come on uh aspiring killers like <laughs> you really go for broke wow go for you gotta have that wow factor yeah, you got to wow them. Wine them and dine them, like Jared would say. Yeah, that's right. It's in my manual. Um, so anyway, uh, the dance number, I think, is actually really good in this. Like the, uh, yeah. the with a girl with a woman dancing. She's actually pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that whole thing was played out well. Uh, this is a scene where I definitely relate to the killer. Uh, him, like, going around, like, setting up the camera, setting up the lights, while the performer just, like, dicks around and kind of, like, is distracting and asking him questions while he's obviously trying to light the scene and make sure everything's working properly. I've been there, man. I, I've done that stagehand stuff. And... Uh, uh... It's like that sometimes. And you're like, come on, just 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 shut up. Just shut up for it right now. Hey, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm I'm trying to work here. I'm, I'm taking my craft seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm doing things, man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, well that's all gross. And then there's like so uh when they find her uh dead body crammed in that uh uh travel Chest. case. Yeah. Uh I believe it's like the after the actress faints, the I think the director does he go the silly bitch? She fainted yeah. in the wrong scene, and I'm like, yep. whoa, that's a, that's a hard B right there. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that one too, and I thought you would like that. Yeah, you're you know you're a creep. Yeah. Yep. Any excuse, any excuse. You creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, the movie just kind of plays out from that point forward. We get mm-hmm. the scenes with uh, our lead lady's mom. 
and oh, yeah. yeah, her being blind invalid, but also like onto things and questioning things and just being difficult, mm-hmm. not making life easy for old Mark. And, uh, I don't know. Like there's like, um, like I said, I think the movie like, for its era, for its period of time, uh, mm-hmm. I think films would come a long way in nailing this sort of subject material for this period of time. It's like, this movie was like a classy horror movie. Yeah, that's kind of the way I saw it, or yeah. what I imagined it was. It's like elevating the material to like, ah, oh, it's a Michael Powell production. Like it's it's like this this type of story can be like well done because I'm sure he was looking at like Hammer Horror stuff and kind of going, okay, this stuff's like fucking for children. This is dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to make this movie for adults and make it like entertaining and thrilling, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, so this movie kind of like it's uh, sister film would be uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which came out like right around the same time dealing with uh, sex pests that are killing ladies. Hey, Jared, I don't know if you know this, but in you know how this is a sister movie to Psycho? Yeah. The lead actor in Psycho is a guy named Anthony Perkins. And <gasps> his son, o- uh, Osgood Perkins, <laughs> uh, he that's actually his real name. I, that's not just a classic zinger. Uh, he made a movie that I watched this week. And it was Whoa. good. So I don't know if you knew that, but uh, I know I know that RJ. <laughs> true, true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that connection, and then I was like, Yeah, all right. Okay. I <laughs> yeah. didn't look into it very much. I, yeah. I wasn't gonna watch Psycho again. Um, so. And like I will say that I uh, actually I always I do like the twist in the movie. Uh, peeping Tom, the whole yeah. like thing with the mirror on it, because I kind of forgot about that. What what that? Cause mm-hmm. It's funny because you Google search Peeping Tom, and like you look at the images, and it's like this like distorted face. I'm like, what the hell was that from in the movie? And then it's like, gets to the point, like, oh, oh okay. that's what they see when they die, and you get the sort of thing. It's really cool. Here. It looks great. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an, it's a neat idea. I like that. Uh, Mark just takes like the he and heroes out. Uh, he just fucking goes out. <laughs> on a high note, yeah. I guess, uh, killing himself. He's like, oh, well, no fucking around. He doesn't suicide by cop it. He's just like, no, I'm just going to mm-hmm. fucking uh, go for it, man. And yeah. uh, after doing horrible things, and that's like, that's good. That's like the right thing to do. Don't like clog up the justice system with your bullshit mm-hmm. and like, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, my lawyer got me off. Oh, I've been, my, my extension on my trial, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, just, just kill yourself. Do the right thing. Yeah. That's that's like good satisfaction, I think, for the most Kill part. Yourself. Just like, yeah, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> on that one. You know it. Friendo. Yeah. So you, you want to hear what uh, Martin Scorsese has to say about uh, how this film, along with Fellini's Eight and a Half, contains all that can be said about directing? Um, you, are don't. you ready for Marty's hot take? Uh, it's it sizzles like a spicy meatball. Well, if you with that kind of lead in, I, I guess. Well, okay. I've always felt that Peeping Tom and Eight and a Half say everything that can be said about filmmaking, about the process of dealing with film, the objectivity and subjectivity of it, and the confusion between the two. Eight and a Half captures the glamour and enjoyment of filmmaking, while Peeping Tom shows the aggression of it, how the camera violates. From studying Ugh. them, you can discover everything about people who make films, or at least people who express themselves through films. Mm. I, I kind of agree with what he's saying, but not for the those two films. I think everything you need to learn, you could learn from the 1990 classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then Sister Act starring Whoopi Goldberg. 
that has every side of cinema that you could need. So no wonder Martin's movies haven't been performing as well as they used to. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Um, so uh, the other thing that goes along with uh, talking about Peeping Tom is uh, its reception from yeah. Wikipedia. Peeping Tom was an immensely controversial film on an initial release, and the critical backlash heaped on the film was a major ba- major factor in finishing Powell's career as a director in the UK. British mm-hmm. reviews tended towards the hyperbolic in negativity. Derek Hill, Ooh. reviewer of the Tribune, suggested that the film should be disposed of, thrown into a sewer. Yet, in his view, its stench would remain... <laughs> Uh, Len Mosley, writing for the Daily Express, claimed that the film is more nauseating and depressing than the leper colonies of East Pakistan, the back streets of Bombay, and the gutters of Calcutta. It was banned in Finland until 1981. Um, Mm. But, however, the film earned a cult following, as always happens with these sort of things. And since the 1970s has received a critical reappraisal, Pal noted ruefully in his autobiography, I made a film that nobody wants to see, and then 30 years later, everybody has either seen it or wants to see it. Um, That's how it goes, boy. You never know how this film game is going to go. I think it's interesting. It's a weird movie, though. Like, you look at his, like filmography and his like kind of interest and taste and this movie kind of is like an odd film like it's very uh like it's in the nightcrawler mold more than anything uh if if you someone would say it would fit right on a list of sad bastard and loser films Mm, such a list would be a pretentious and (laughs) self-pitying type of thing anyone associated with such a thing is a bad person so i would avoid those yeah yeah. yeah, people might not know what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm making fun of Jared. <laughs> Go to the letterbox to find out how. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Hey, there's a scene in this movie where, uh, like, the detective or something is, like, trying to tell someone to go take a memo, and he says it like, go get a memo. <laughs> I wrote it down because I was like, I can't believe he said that. Yeah. What is he, a fucking weirdo? A Mimo. Mimo. That's the kind of insight I got. Hot take, baby. Indeed. Uh, oh, hey. I'm just, I'm just looking at some trivia for this. Uh, Peeping Tom is referenced by Ghostface in Wes Craven's Scream 4 as being the first film to put the audience in the killer's POV. Uh, shut up, Wes Craven. Oh, wait, wait. Here's one for you, RJ. During a reminiscence in David Foster Wallace's novel, Infinite Jest, oh, Dr. James off. O. Uh, Incandenza, whatever Shut the fuck, up. the man who went on to make a film that literally kills its audience oh. refers to having still posters from Powell's Peeping Tom in his childhood bedroom. Shut up. I hate that. I hate that and I hate you. D.F.Dub. D.F.Dub. <laughs> Nobody has ever read fucking Infinite Jest. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Anyone who says they have are fucking lying. I hate that, and I hate you. Okay. Uh, also throw in, this film uh, fell under censorship when it came out uh, from Italy. <laughs> what? Yeah, and when it was released in Italy, it got, it got edited because, you know, it's not very Catholic, RJ, and you would know it. Maybe that's why you don't like it as much because you're a good Catholic boy. Yeah, but those Italians make all those fucking gross movies. Uh, the, the film was, sorry, it was, it was restricted 
uh, not suitable for children under 16. I'm not sure like what 15 year olds would get out of this movie, but uh, uh, the reason for the age restriction cited in the official documents is the storyline is shocking and several scenes are not suitable for minors. Uh, in order mm. for the film to be screened publicly, the committee imposed the removal of the following scenes. One, two scenes taking place in the photographer's studio, in particular those in which Millie is shown alone, fully dressed and half undressed in front of the mirror because she is indecent. Two, two other scenes showing a woman lying on the bed excessively half undressed because she is indecent. Damn. Remember, these, that... these, were the, these were the good old days. You know, I was I went to the uh, the the Pride Festival here in town uh, over oh, the yeah. weekend. I was there for like a half hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not my scene. <laughs> uh, people, it seems Go to be it seems, it seems to be a like I don't know. People dress really badly <laughs> at Pride. I don't know if you've ever really? noticed this. Yeah, people dress very poorly. They they need to learn how to dress themselves a, a little bit. Like adults, come on, people. How badly? Uh, well, I'm not even talking about like you know the big like giant fat guys walking around in like leather cables and stuff like that and strappings like whatever. Like, mm-hmm. let your freak flag fly, I guess. But like, uh-huh. I don't know. No. Do, cut your cut your carbs. Do a sit up. You know, you're <gasps> you're, you're you're in public. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, you know. Maybe sometimes like less is more. You know. Hey, Jarrett. Yeah. Your anti pride uh, agenda it's is going to bring down my, this show. My screed. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you've done it before with all your other anti agendas, but uh, yeah, this this might be the one that kills us. I like as to... we are, as Creepsville is not only the the home of the very first pri- uh, gay and transgender crosswalks in the world, it was also the home of the very first was... uh, vandalized and uh, <laughs> torn apart crosswalk uh, gay and transgender yeah. crosswalks and, and, in the world uh, so. well a mere like a mere 25 minutes away uh the first uh pride flag uh in Tabor, alberta uh that like land that bastion of uh wokeness uh mm-hmm. they they someone stole the flag and then they put a second one up and someone took that one down and set it on fire uh yeah. and then they put a third one up uh and then in lethbridge yeah they put there the first trans flag ever in the world was put down as a crosswalk mm-hmm. and then someone drove over it but, but like then skid marks on it, and it stuff like that and then yeah. someone yeah then someone tarred it which was really cool mm-hmm. and then i guess like the way to remove tar is to i guess put like uh manure on it and then of course people thought that the vandals put manure on it mm-hmm. because um that would make sense, I guess. Because science. Because science. Anyway, the uh, peeping Tom, huh? <laughs> Pride flags. Pride flags, peeping Tom, and Jared Duncan. Learn three to, things have yeah. never clashed more in the world. Yeah, learn to dress better, folks. I know it's hot out there, but come mm. on, don't look, don't look like pieces of shit. I feel like you're addressing me with this statement. But yeah, Mister Tank Top. Hey, I was going to a pool. It's totally acceptable oh. in that in that sense. This is why I don't want to go. Oh, man. People, people are. Ugh. It's okay when you go to the pool to wear a, a tank. I don't wear it like to fucking work. I was just listening to another podcast where they were talking about like how they they when they go uh, to a pool they like make sure they're not the fattest guy there, and then they go, oh, it's it's okay. That guy's fatter than me. I, I I'm good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I also adhere to that strategy. <laughs> Before you pop your top, you got to make sure you're not the only one rocking some fudge. <laughs> Words to live by. I think that yeah. I think I think that was actually in Peeping Tom. <laughs> it might have been. Mm-hmm. That's what they whispered over the credits. Yeah. 
any last thoughts on the movie before I talk about who hates this movie? <laughs> no, not really. I liked it. Yeah. I didn't love it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, some guy here named Lanny or something like that, he gave uh-huh. this movie one star saying, Uh-oh. imagine finding the main asshole sympathetic. I can't relate. Oh, come on. He uh, acts like that's like a novel thing. Like, there's never been a movie where you root for the bad guy. Watch watch Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, folks. What was that one thing we talked about the other day? Something fun. Can't remember. Watch that. Yeah, watch. There's lots of movies. Watch that. Uh, user named Goremaster uh, gave this one and a half star. This film is acclaimed as one of the best thrillers in history and deals with voyeurism. I expected something terrifying, but that's not what I saw. I got very disappointed, perhaps because it suggests more than it shows. Well, sorry, Gore Master. (laughs) (laughs) The Gore Master. Hey, can you look at what that guy's favorite movies are? I should have. Fuck. Uh, I'll look it up here. Okay, I'll. Uh, I'll, You keep going. I'll look it up. Go, go find Gore Master. I'll once one word. Okay, the Heath. Uh, he gave this movie two stars, and he writes, Disappointing 60s slasher essential that may have broken boundaries at the time, but is horribly dated now. Some elements work. It's certainly creepy enough, but too many other factors are paper-thin and flimsy, allowing any hope of true terror to be put to bed early. For horror enthusiasts, don't expect anything grisly or overly shocking. But for its flaws, it remains a creepy watch that sadly has been ravaged by darker and more dastardly pictures. So the vibe I get from a lot of these is people like being let down that this movie is not like extreme. Um, yeah. Which like I was like, well, if you've ever watched a Powell Pressburger movie, I kind of knew what exactly to expect. And I'd say like for that type of movie of that taste, this movie's like pretty edgy <laughs> like it's like yeah. it's a little it's darker um i don't know it's like m doesn't have people complaining about it like this and it's not like m's like super disturbing or anything either like it's mm-hmm. pretty like it's just like a really well-made movie um i th- i think that probably stems out of that that hype machine where they hear that this movie almost ended a guy's career so they, they probably go into it like oh yeah it's it, that thing's gonna be pretty sweet yeah, fucking bitches just get torn up and stuff, I heard. It's like, yeah. uh, okay, Goremaster. Hey, I found his favorite movie. Okay, okay, yeah, hit me with Goremaster. Okay, well, there's, there's, I mean, there's a good one in there. His his number one is Hellraiser. Sweet. So that's, so that's that pretty, makes sense that's, for the Goremaster. Pretty, pretty gory. And then uh, you'll like these. Uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's got Star Wars, in. The Empire Strikes Back, uh, and Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Oh, Gormaster, <laughs> get get out more, okay? Gormaster strikes again. I'm Be- looking at his other five stars, and it's it's like uh, Pixar movies and what? Indiana Jones, <laughs> oh. uh, Cape Fear. Is this guy? Does this guy still review movies? Uh, Is he his- active? His last rating was yeah a couple days ago. Okay, so he's he still did a, he logged she's all that. <laughs> he, he gave it one star, and then he gave Crash three and a half stars. Which one? Oh um, oh yeah, actually not the Paul Haggis Crash. Never mind. The David Cronenberg uh, Crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexy Crash. Sexy Crash. Sexy Crash. 
but yeah, he uh, he also gave interview with the vampire five stars. So, I mean, he's got some street cred, <laughs> okay. but also Shrek and Shrek too. Okay, I'm I'm getting off of his page. We've had enough of Goremaster. All right, all right. Sucks to okay. you, Goremaster. Uh-huh. Anyway, I think that's it for this uh, movie. Uh, I thought I I like this movie, um, yeah. but I can definitely it's I don't know. It's there. Time has maybe softened this movie's edge. I guess it's possible. No, eh, whatever, whatever. Oh, you're you're laying down a classic RJ zinger. Yeah, whatever. whatever belch. I, fart. I don't care. Yeah, I don't yeah. watch movies. <laughs> I'm going to the pool. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to cool down, baby. <laughs> it's like 33 degrees outside god anyway exactly uh, after the break i'm going to stab myself in the throat with my tripod oh you're you're on your own rj okay that's fine i'll take i'll be the band dude If you had to diabolically kill somebody, uh, what would you do? Hot dog. Hot dog death? Hot dog. Just like on a slip and slide? No. It'd be way more sinister. But I'll let you fill in those gaps. (laughs) Pun. You can tell us about how you'd kill innocent women. (laughs) We're not the FBI. Uh, Email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com. We're all about that gaze. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan, and he's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Keep those reviews flowing. We, we yes, love them. Please. We like to read them and talk about our friendship and being swell and stuff. Next week, spine number 59. Hey, RJ, do you like yes. Nazis? Sometimes. Do you like Jews? All the times. Do you like when those two paths cross? Mm. Yeah, I do. Well, I have quite the flick for you. Uh oh. Liliana Cavani's The Night Porter from 1974. Oh, isn't that that weird movie? And hey, what do you know? <laughs> On this momentous occasion, we have our first female director entering the Criterion Creep. What? Right. You better go watch Wonder Woman in anticipation. <laughs> the highest grossing movie directed by a woman ever. And, there the, you go. and the Night Porter. Nice. Yep. Nice. Well, folks, have a good week. And uh, I don't know. Get woke. Ugh. 
I don't like that. I'm leaving the show. <laughs> uh, I'm going back to sleep. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs>